0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 2nd, 2020. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio.
1: My name is Denise Haynek, and I was at Hofstra Radio from 1990 through
0: 1994. And what uh, titles or positions did you hold at the radio station?
1: Um, I was music director in my junior year, and I was also one of the founding members of Whiplash, which was one of the uh, shows that was on the air.
0: Could you tell us more about Whiplash?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, My friend and I were kind of metalheads, not really super hardcore metal, but more probably hair bands and and, uh, radio-friendly heavy metal. And there was no show that was playing that type of music on uh, WRHU. So we petitioned to start a show of our own. And I think we started out with probably half an hour once a week in the middle of the night. And it kind of grew from there. We had a pretty good following. We brought in other people to do the show with us. And I know that that's something that has lived on even past the point where we've graduated. Uh, it's still on the air in, in some form. So I'm pretty proud of that.
0: What other shows did you do or host or engineer while you were at WRHU?
1: Uh, I did Airwave, which was kind of alternative music, and I also did Jazz Cafe and uh, Classics from Hofstra in the morning.
0: Did you engineer any weekend shows or public affairs shows?
1: Not that I remember. If I did, it wasn't more than a couple times.
0: Okay. So this is a multi-part question and you can answer it in any way that you want, but it all kind of bleeds, comes together in my mind. So um, what first brought you to the radio station and what was it like when you got there? Where was it? Do you remember the studio? Do you remember the office? Do you remember people in particular as you got to Hofstra Radio for the first time?
1: Um, I originally went to WRHU because I was majoring in communications. I intended to get into radio, uh, maybe even sports broadcasting. I was kind of going in that direction. And I did research and picked Hofstra University because of their communications program and because of the reputation of the radio station. So I pretty much knew before I even started at Hofstra that I was going to be involved uh, at the radio station. So immediately, as soon as I moved in, I went and signed up. And uh, at that point, the station was in the basement of Dumpster Hall, down in this little dark, dank basement. Uh, and I can remember walking down the hallway and seeing the office for the first time. And I was I was probably pretty nervous at that point. I mean, you know, first time away from home. I was eighteen years old, um, and I. Don't know that I really realized it at that point, but I spent a good 90% of my college career in the basement of Dempster Hall, Mm. (laughs) either on the air or hanging out with my friends, uh, preparing for a show. Uh, That was definitely my home away from home while I was at Hofstra.
0: So just a quick note, you said Dempster Hall. I think you meant Memorial Hall.
1: Was it Memorial? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dempster was the TV station and the communications classes. Oh, okay. And Memorial was... Was it Memorial? Yeah.
1: Okay. Do you, do you want me to redo that part? No, it's okay. That's okay.
0: We'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, so, um, when, the first time you went to the station, were you uh, actually, uh, was it once the semester started? Was it still during the summer uh, when you first got there? And do you remember anybody being there in particular?
1: I think that I went I, I, down to the station for the first time I don't think it was still summertime but it was definitely within my first few days of being at Hofstra it was probably one of the very very first things I did was sign up uh for the station I can remember at that point um I remember Eileen DeCalis was there I remember Renee Depew. I remember Dave Braverman um there was uh Karen Jean Uh, were all people that were some of the very first people that I met down at the station. Everybody was very friendly and welcoming and really went out of their way to make me feel comfortable. Um, And uh, I ended up meeting people down there that I'm still friends with today. So that was as nervous as I was at the time, everything turned out fantastic.
0: So once you got signed up, once you went down there and met some people, you signed up for announcing classes and engineering classes. Do you remember anything in particular Uh, about your classes, things that you remember doing or learning that stayed with you, or any uh, interesting experiences from those classes?
1: Uh, Yeah, I remember that Dave Braverman was the one who taught the vocal classes, and he had all types of vocal exercises for us. Uh, The first thing he taught us, and I, I still this drives me crazy to this day when I hear it pronounced wrong, but he taught us that it's not W, it's W, Uh, and he made us practice over and over, say W. Um, and one of the other things that I remember he taught us that we had to practice with was, I am ardent about owls. I am an owl aficionado. Uh, so we had all different types of, of little vocal exercises like that to practice our, our pronunciation and I guess get ourselves loosened up to be on the air. Um, I can remember we had a classmate at some point, I don't remember if he was necessarily in our first classes, but we had somebody in... in one of our classes with us that had never touched a vinyl record and we had to actually teach him how to put the needle on the record and at the time everybody had a record player at home in their bedroom so i remember we were just blown away that that this kid had never even touched a needle to vinyl before Um, and one other thing that really stuck with me was back then everything was on reel to reel you used a razor blade and tape and actual Real to reel tapes. Um, and I can remember sitting down in the basement of Memorial Hall at two o'clock in the morning, splicing little tiny shreds of tape together to get something to sound exactly like I wanted to. And you'd drop a, a piece of tape on the floor and then you'd have to figure out which direction to, to tape it back in physically. It was all done physically with your hands. And that's something that I, I think people today uh, that are in the industry probably can't even imagine. Uh, and that was something that was just one of the very first things that they taught us that, that really stuck with me.
0: So that would have been in the fall of 1990 or so. Uh,
1: yes, the, the fall so of So within a few yeah.
0: years, most things would have gone uh, towards digital. There would be less and less tape and more and more digital uh, manipulation of audio. Um, do you remember learning anything about that at the time, or is that still further down the road?
1: That was much further down the road. I will never forget that right before I graduated, I graduated in May of 1994. So this was probably March of 1994. We went into New York City for some type of a conference. And I can remember they were showing us all of the new digital programs that they had and all of the new digital technology that was coming out. And I can remember looking at whoever I was at this conference with, As the realization came over us that all of these years of learning on actual reel-to-reel tapes was completely out the window and the industry had changed right as we were ready to take our first steps into it. Uh, And that was really, I I can just remember my jaw dropping when I realized how much the world was about to change at that Mm. point.
0: Do you recall your first time announcing on the air?
1: You know, it's funny. I can't say that I do. Um, I had been a Boy Scout radio explorer uh, before I even went to college. I did that from the time when I was about 12 or 13. uh, And I had gotten over that shock of hearing my voice in my headphones for the first time. I think most people, when they hear themselves for the first time, it's a jolt. uh, And I was fairly used to it. Um, I can remember probably being a little bit nervous. I think that my first show by myself was the Classics from Hofstra, which is really, if you think about it, is a great way to get people used to being on the air because it's longer songs, um, not quite as much pressure to be constantly doing something, changing the CD, speaking. So it, it kind of helped us to ease into running the board, thinking of what to say. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the first time I was on the air was probably doing the classics at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, but I don't really have any specific memory of, of doing it for the first time. It just seems like I had always been there. It seems like I mm. was born in the basement there.
0: So to double uh, back there, yeah. you spoke about this experience before uh, college of being a radio explorer. Can you talk a little bit about that? What brought you to that?
1: Uh, even when I was younger, I always knew that I was interested in getting involved in radio, and I had a friend, I think, that was a Boy Scout and mentioned that there was an offshoot of the Boy Scouts. It was called the Explorer Scouts. Um, they would ride with EMTs if they were interested in getting into that field. They were all different types of careers that you could explore. And the local radio station was offering an Explorer troupe and it was for boys and girls. Uh, And I can remember going down there, they gave us a tour of the station. They let us put on the headphones and speak into the microphone. We used to go out into public. I can remember going down to the mall and we did a broadcast from the mall. They were doing a boy scout Uh, slot car derby and I can remember interviewing the boy scouts and we got to be on the air and I did this when I was fairly young I was I was a young teenager uh when I was involved in this and that definitely was a good stepping stone for me to realize that I enjoyed being in radio I went from there to another the local rock station uh where I got an internship while I was in high school and did more of the same got a real feel for the industry and um really realized even before I went to college that that's what I wanted to do professionally. So uh, unlike most people that go away to college and don't maybe know which direction they're going in, I had a really good idea of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to major in, where I wanted my life to go. And the Explorer Scout troop definitely helped get me in that direction.
0: Hmm. Uh, Usually I ask this as sort of a wrap-up question or to pull some loose ends, but I I feel like it makes sense here. So if you could put yourself in the mindset of being 18-year-old Denise and walking into Memorial Hall and the office and the studio, what did you think WRHU would be for you or mean to you at that time? I mean, now looking back, you can say, this is what it means to me. But w- walking in that door, having that experience and knowing what you wanted to do, what did you think that station would would be for you or do for you at that time?
1: At that time, I definitely thought that the station was going to be a major stepping stone for me. Um, I looked at it as a way for me to get to be comfortable on the air. Uh, At that point, I was very ambitious. I wanted actually to get into sports broadcasting, which I never ended up doing, Um, but I was hoping to really get a grasp of being comfortable with myself in control of the board, the equipment, what to do if there was uh, a technical problem, and also to get a little more comfortable with being in my own head um, while I was speaking, you know, when you're live on the air, you you have to be doing things with your hands while you're speaking. And I, I was looking at that as a good opportunity for not somebody else to be running the equipment for me, but to really get comfortable with running the equipment for myself while I was speaking. Um, and I definitely was hoping that My experience at the college radio station was going to look good on a resume that I was going to be able to land a better radio job because I was involved with the station. Uh, And I think in the end, that ended up actually coming to fruition. It, It came true that my experience there did help me in my career after graduation.
0: Um, You mentioned a couple times that you had an interest in sports broadcasting, and and to my recollection, I don't remember you ever doing anything with sports, and I think you have indicated that. Is there there a reason why that didn't happen, or did you just decide to go in a different direction once you were in the building?
1: I think I decided to go in a different direction once I was in the building, Um, especially at the time, being a female sportscaster was not really something that you saw a whole lot. Um, I think before I went to college, I was really ambitious that I wanted to do that, but once I actually got to the station and started learning about different types of music, different opportunities that I uh, could have, I think I just kind of got away from that idea of sports casting and got more into the idea of being on the air um, doing a regular type of radio show instead.
0: Um, So again, thinking back to those early days, were there people who were really helpful? Uh, You mentioned a few names earlier, but people, and can you think of specific instances where someone said, hey, do this or try this or come here? Or were there examples where you were like, I definitely don't want to do that? (laughs)
1: Um, I think Dave Braverman was incredibly helpful back in the early days. Uh, I remember that he really went out of his way to try to make sure that we all sounded good on the air. Uh, He was not afraid to listen to your shows, step in and say, oh, I noticed that you were saying this this way. You know, your your pronunciation could be better with this, especially coming from upstate. And I'm not sure if other people at the station who were from Long Island and had a different accent had a similar experience. But there were times when he would step in and tell me that I was sounding like I was being a little bit upstate um, in, in my speech patterns. Um, and so I, I definitely think he went out of his way to make sure that we sounded good on the air. And I think that gave me a really good basis as I did get into it professionally to not sound like (laughs) I was from upstate New York, but to speak more of a, a standard, uh, type of English. Uh, another person who I really remember taking me under her wing was Renee Depew. She really went out of her way to talk to me about music, to make me comfortable at the station, to help me out with what I needed, and I really considered her to be a really good friend and a mentor at the time. Uh, I was I was very thankful to have her around.
0: To go back to your announcing class because I was I was there and I remember explicitly. Um, so you were talking about losing your upstate accent and I had a Long Island accent. Uh, I wanted to write for newspapers uh, and I'd do that <laughs> after school. So do you, do you remember, I, I, I have very specific memories of you and Kathy Wartzberger being from a more northern part of New York State and Mike Prahatka and I being from Long Island and having trouble pronouncing a so do you do you remember right. any of that in particular?
1: <laughs> um, I do. You know what I remember is we all made fun of each other for our accents. I can remember here were people from Long Island who sounded like they were from Long Island, weren't pronouncing R's, were saying ball and coffee and laughing at us because we were, I, I think everybody thought that we were a little more nasal. Um, so I don't think any of us was really speaking fantastic uh, radio English at the time, but I can remember really all of us pointing and laughing at each other for the way that we did speak. Um, and I think in the end, most of my friends, regardless of where we were from, I think all of our accents definitely softened as a result of of uh, Dave's speech classes back in the day.
0: Yeah, I, I remember Dave patiently working with us the four of us and and trying to improve things. And I also seem to remember that Al Montag was in our class and I feel like Al walked in ready to be on top 40 radio.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Al alt- always sounded fantastic. He blew us out of the water from day 1. Uh, I don't know if he sat in his room and practiced as a kid or you know was just born with those pipes, but yeah, yeah, out of all of us, he definitely uh, was was head and shoulders above us when it came to his speech patterns.
0: Um, were there other people who were helpful or gave you some advice or people maybe that you sat in with on engineering classes or while you were practicing announcing that uh, gave you good advice or were good ro- role models?
1: Um, no, I think those those two definitely stand out as the people that really helped me the most. I mean, everybody that worked at the station – Uh, in any capacity, was always more than happy to help us out. Um, But those two, Dave and Renee, were really my big influences back at the beginning.
0: So when did you feel like you were really comfortable at the station when you had, you know, sort of shaken off the new nerves and felt like not only can I do this, but I belong here? Is there a moment or, or a span of time where you're like, this is it. I'm, I'm here for good. And this is, this is what I was hoping for.
1: I think I felt that right off the bat. Um, you know, I did, like I said, I did have some experience on the air. So pretty quickly, once I did my first few air shifts, got a little more comfortable with the equipment, realized that I wasn't messing anything up. I feel like I, I clicked into being part of the station and being comfortable there very quickly, probably within the first two or three months. Um, And I I feel like the people that worked at the station that I was on the air with, that I interacted with were definitely my family in a way. Um, You know, my family, my actual family was four hours away. So um, any holidays that we had together, any weekends, I mean, that's who I hung out with was the people at the radio station. And I feel like we all gelled and came together as our little radio family extremely quickly. Um, so I, I don't think I was uncomfortable there beyond the first couple of weeks. Once we got out of announcing class and they set us loose on the air, I, I settled right in and I was at home for four years.
0: Do you remember um, how Whiplash came about and and what you had to do to get that on the air? Because that was a brand new program. Um,
1: I just remember that there was an alternative program. There was a rock program, but there wasn't anything that was really speaking to the kind of music that Kathy and I wanted to hear at the time, the kind of music that we enjoyed. Um, And there was a lot that was being played, I think, on commercial radio. Um, we wanted to step outside of playing, you know, Guns N' Roses and Poison and Motley Crue and play some lesser known bands, some local bands. So we talked about it and asked if we could start a new show. Um, we were told to go ahead and put together a proposal, which we did. And it was approved. We got, you know, we, we got to dig through the archives and see what kind of music was available to us. We got to bring in some of our own music and, um, you know, put it together. We I can remember doing all of our little um little sound bits we did some interviews with people and so I think that was a really great experience for me being able to not just come into a show that was already put together and having somebody tell me how to do it but to be able to start from the ground up and decide you know what what's our format going to be what are we going to play Um, you know how many songs are we going to play what what is what's the feel of this entire show going to sound like um, and we definitely started small, you know, they they had us on a half an hour a week at one o'clock in the morning and gradually we built a pretty decent audience. Um, one of the things that I'm proudest of actually is there used to be a uh, local, just a local band and this guy, Anthony, was the lead singer of the band. And later down the road, I worked at WBAB and I interned with Opie and I got anthony's band on the air for an interview with opie and they ended up working together for years Uh, and that was all as a result of whiplash that you know that that whole chain of events was because kathy and i sat down one day and decided that we wanted to have our own metal show
0: wow that's amazing i never made that connection i did not realize that there was a a direct line there uh, connecting those two guys
1: yeah i personally actually introduced opie and anthony to each other
0: I I guess the world has you to either thank or blame for that.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I think you have me to blame for that. I had no idea that it was going to turn out the way that it did, but you know, I I guess it was just one of those moments that was fated to be.
0: Well, that's amazing. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you, Denise. Um, Let's do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It was nice reminiscing.